This is what happens when you have a, a, a smart aleck <laughs> board op <laughs> who is cute, who's just too cute. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it, it's August, and, and we're listening to... <laughs> yeah, Miles, uh, Miles is my board op, and he, uh, he outdoes himself sometimes. Why is he playing that? Because we are about to have a conversation right now with David Love, uh, journalist and commentator, about whether or not... Uh, White conservatives are raising a generation of snowflakes. Get it? But uh, whether or not these white conservatives are raising a generation of snowflakes, hence the music uh, from one miles low. <laughs> David Love, good to have you on the program, sir. How are you? I am doing well, Tavis. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's good to be with you again. I must say, I uh, I'm enjoying the music. Enjoying the music. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm glad you're as tickled by his antics <laughs> as I am. Uh, I I didn't see that coming. I'm in studio. He's of course across the hall. I can see him through this glass window in front of me, but. He's in the control room, and I never know what he's going to play until he actually plays it. So I, I didn't see that coming, I must say. But it was cute, Miles. Okay, you, you earned your, you your paycheck for the day, for the week. Uh, the other thing I thought about is my mother. My mother loves Christmas music. And it's funny because her favorite season of the year, if she's listening right now, which I hope she is. I assume she is back in Indiana. Her favorite season of the year is, is Christmas. And my mother loves Christmas music so much that she literally will play it year-round. I mean, my mother, I mean, the, the Hallmark Channel decided some years ago to do that Christmas in July thing. And they, for a whole month, run all of their favorite Christmas programs. And you can, you know, enjoy it in the middle of the year and get ready for the holiday season coming uh, some days later. Uh, my mother was way ahead of Hallmark. She was playing Christmas music throughout the year long before Hallmark got the idea to do the Christmas in July. Anyway, I'm sure she got a kick out of that. So I, I digress in that regard. So David Love and now the audience, I'm sure, is really intrigued <laughs> about uh, <laughs> given the song and, and, and my reference to your work about whether or not white conservatives are raising a generation of snowflakes. For those who have not read your provocative piece, it's a good one. Uh, just give me the top line, sort of unpack what you, what you're, what you're, the issue that you're raising. Give me, give me your claim. Press your claim for me, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, when, when, when I refer to snowflakes, I refer to people who are easily offended, overly emotional, and cannot deal with, opposing viewpoints and opinions mm. and you know looking at the right conservatives you know republicans they always tend to accuse their adversaries their enemies of their own worst sins and i'm looking specifically at uh the fact that they always talk about people on the left left-leaning, liberal, progressive folks as being snowflakes that we, you know, that we, 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 we just can't tolerate opposing viewpoints. We're mm. overly sensitive. Mm. And yet they are doing exactly the same thing that they accuse us of doing in ways that we could never imagine. And I think that what is going on now with this whole anti-woke uh, scenario playing out um, with the banning of the books, with the banning of African-American studies. Perfect example of how the right are the worst snowflakes of all time because they're trying to protect their children mm. 
from the truth of history. When you, when you, when you use that phrase, the worst of all time, it leads me to ask um, whether or not this is, in fact, a generational moment or whether or not uh, the good white folk uh, raising snowflakes uh, have always been what they accuse us of being. Is it generational or is this perennial? Well, you know, you raise a good question. I think in many ways it is perennial. I think that right now is the worst that we have seen perhaps mm. in a generation or two. Um, certainly you can look at the history of this country and you know how, you know, from the outset uh, they tried to ban black folks from learning how to read and write. They certainly maintained a particular narrative in their history books that kept us out. And when they included us, it was always as, you know, inferior uh, uh, beasts um, and the like. Mm -hmm. um, United Daughters of the Confederacy, they made sure to, uh, you know, they made sure that the history books were crafted in a certain way so as to give a particular narrative of the South, uh, you know, and this glorious cause and, the, you know, the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that what we're seeing now is is another iteration of the same old thing. I, I so, think that people... Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, let me just say this. I, I want, well, I'll do it when we come forward. I, I, what I wanted to ask was, and I will again in just a moment, um, why in this moment we are experiencing that worst iteration of all time, or certainly the worst iteration, as you put it, in a generation or two. What is it about this particular moment in late modernity, this particular moment in American history? What is it about this moment um, that's causing us to see the worst of them uh, when it comes to uh, raising a generation of snowflakes? What's, what's that about? in real time. We'll talk about that and a great deal more with David Love when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically black. Black, black, black. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Uh, at the rate we're going, this country is going to turn into a hot mess, although <laughs> you could argue that it is now. But, um, you know, history is not meant to make us feel good. Although, you know, there's certainly some good things there. There's also a lot of bad. I think that the whole point of history is to learn from it so that you can draw from those past experiences, that past knowledge, and solve problems today and in the future. And if we don't have that knowledge of what actually happened, then... We can see a lot of disasters coming down the road, and, and our children will not be prepared to fix them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I Something just occurs to me now, and I don't know that I know the answer to this, and maybe in your uh, work and research you have seen something that I have not seen. I'm, I, I, I try to stay prepared for this conversation, <clears throat> uh, these conversations every day on this program, but I don't get a chance to read everything. But it occurs to me in, in this debate, about what's being taught and what's not being taught and what's being banned and what's not being banned, et cetera, et cetera, in this moment that we are in. Have you seen any commentary? Have you seen um, uh, any uh, statements 
coming from the historians in this country. I mean, there obviously there are all these professional groups. You got doctors groups and lawyers groups and you know all kind of groups for academics, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm just curious as to whether or not you've seen, you know, broadly speaking, any kind of serious commentary from the nation's historians about the dangers of what we are enduring and encountering uh, in this particular moment. I have seen some individual historians, particularly historians who look at the rise of fascism and authoritarianism. You know, I've seen a few here and there sound the alarm, mm-hmm. but uh, in a in a broader sense, I have not seen historians. I have not seen uh, professors really speaking out on this in the way that they should. There should be outright, uh, you know, movement protests everywhere on the part of historians and, and, and other uh, faculty professors. Yeah. I ra- not there. I, I, I raise that because it seems to me that there is a danger. There's a danger, as you've already uh, laid out uh, in this conversation, there's a danger in witnessing this generation of white conservatives raising, as you put it in your provocative piece, a generation of snowflakes. That is a danger unto itself. We've sort of unpacked that. But I'm pivoting to something different here now, which is the danger that this democracy, or as I prefer to call it, this experiment in democracy, the danger we face uh, when people dismiss uh, the fascism and the authoritarianism as as politics. Uh, I've said a few times already, of course, on today's program, we all know that tonight there's the big debate, the first debate of the political season, um, eight Republicans on stage. Uh, and again, there'll be more of these, of course, as we move through this, this presidential election season. But, 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 but my concern is that too many of us are dismissing what's happening in this moment as just partisan politics. The issues that you raise now about fascism and authoritarianism are real, uh, and there and there are certainly dangers in that. I don't know that the historian community, or for that matter, fellow citizens writ large, have connected those dots. We haven't really turned that corner. We just dismiss it as political theater, but it's far more telling, I think, and far more dangerous than the way we're approaching it. Does that make sense to you? Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, those who know better, they are in a position to tell the the, the greater public. You know, unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, students are not learning this in school the way they should. Uh, so there should be, you know, alarm bells going off. Um, I think, unfortunately, there is a this this idea and i think that people in the media you know people you know leaders in society they have this thing where they're always trying to mainstream this type of phenomenon they they're always looking to normalize what's what's going on in society you know i guess they want to keep the profits going whatever it is you know their own vested interest in the system it's in their interest to keep that going but what we're seeing is not normal, and it you know everything cannot be a, a matter of both sides. You know it, it's 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 not 
an issue of two equal sides, two valid sides. When you see evil, when you see corruption, when you see fascism, Jim Crow fascism, you have to call it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's not being called out. I think we're we're we we're in the wrong frame. I, we we talked about this yesterday. Uh, uh, Connie Rice, a regular contributor on this program, says all the time, "We got to get in the right frame." I think we're in the wrong frame. We are processing this and talking about this to the extent that we are uh, in mainstream media uh, as political theater. Uh, but nobody has really put the proper face, uh, the right face, on this, which is a conversation really about impending fascism and authoritarianism as you recall joe biden some months ago used the f word i'm talking now about fascism not the other f word he he, he used that word and caught all kind of hell for using it and i noted after using got the pushback he's never used it again now what's ironic about that and interesting is that the push toward fascism the push toward authoritarianism continues unabated but he used that word one time. They smacked him so hard, he sort of backed off of that. And to my mind, if he were more progressive, he would have pushed harder on that. But you note, as I do, that he backed off that word. He ain't used it again since then, David Love. That's true. And I think the reason why he did that is probably because he still thinks that he can attract uh, some Republican votes. If he's thinking that... Um, you know, I think he's living in a fantasy world. But you know, it, it the 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 the, uh, the days for us being polite are over mm-hmm. because you know we only get one time to we only get one one chance to to fix this mess. Yeah. the The other thing that occurred to me while you were talking a moment ago is, and this is this is this is the scary part that it's it's one thing again as your piece suggests uh, to to take on this issue of why the white conservative community uh, is raising this generation of flow f- snowflakes and what that means long term for this country and for our democracy um again legitimate conversation the part that I'm that I'm thinking about now is this i don't know how we stop that i don't know how we make a u turn here and here's what i mean the former Speaker of the House, uh, Tip O'Neill, we were talking earlier in today's program about Kevin McCarthy, the current Speaker, uh, in case you weren't around for that conversation, uh, said in an interview yesterday, uh, Mr. McCarthy did, that when they return, Congress returns from their summer recess after Labor Day, there's a good chance they will proceed with uh, perhaps an impeachment of uh, an impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden. They've been talking about that for a while, but yesterday were his strongest comments ever, that after Labor Day, they may in fact when they return, move to commence an impeachment inquiry uh, uh, about or on or against Joe Biden. And as we said earlier, just for being Joe Biden, because clearly there's nothing, that, there's no there there. But they'll, they'll start this inquiry to impeach Joe Biden just for being Joe Biden. Put a pin in that. The point I'm making is that Tip O'Neill, speaker many years ago, famously once said that all politics is local. All politics is local. What concerns me most about this is that Republicans have a laser focus right now on winning school board elections all across the country. Our eyes are uh, agaze. Uh, Our eyes are set toward the presidential race as they should be. Republicans are looking more down ballot. And all across this country, they are aggressively running candidates and winning seats at school boards literally from California to the Carolinas. And that's where these decisions are made to protect these snowflakes, as you call them, from being offended, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't see anybody really taking that on. That is their agenda, 
and they're running and they're winning at the school board level all across this country. And nobody, frankly, is really talking about it or paying attention to it. But I raise it to get your read on it. Yes. I mean, it seems like, you know, for years, the the Democrats have always worried about, you know, the presidential elections every four years, you know, maybe Congress and Senate. And that's about it. And I think that the, you know, the Trump era has really shown us that Republicans have played a long game. Mm -hmm. They have focused on the local elections, the state elections, and they have they have taken power. And now we see the results of it. And, um, you know, I should also mention as far as school boards, you know, the reason why I wrote this this article was because of what happened in this uh Conroe, Texas, uh, uh, school district Mm -hmm. where they decided to ban posters showing black and white children's hands, you know, uh, uh, black and white children holding hands. hands, They, they didn't. Yeah. and, And it shows you the extremism that is being implanted into these school boards. And I think that's because people don't, or haven't paid attention to these local elections. And if we don't like what we're seeing, we're going to have to take control of these local governments, these local bodies, and turn things around. Mm. Um, I hope you didn't miss um, the point he just made now. I'm out of time, basically, in this conversation. But I hope you didn't miss the point that David Love just made. First of all, let me tell you, you can read his piece at thegrio.com. It's posted there at thegrio.com. Um, why uh, white conservatives are raising a generation of snowflakes. Uh, that's the title. You can find it again at, at thereal.com. But the point he just made uh, as this conversation comes to uh, an end uh, is, is, is worth noting and worth um, wrestling with. And that is that in Texas, they have now, in this one particular school district, uh, they have banned posters of black and white kids holding hands. Now imagine... As we push toward the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington this coming Monday, August 28th, um, just think about that sort of kumbaya moment uh, and King and the I Have a Dream speech and becoming, you know, that speech becoming the most iconic speech perhaps in all of American history, et cetera, et cetera. Just think about that moment back in the 60s, 63 to be exact. Here we are in 2023, and they are banning posters of white and black kids holding hands. That kind of imagery they don't want in the school district. Just imagine that. I digress. Think about it uh, for the rest of the day. Read David Love's piece at the Griot. White conservatives are raising a generation of snowflakes. And then uh, and then tell me how you process that they are doing away with posters that show any sort of image of black and white coming together, holding hands. I digress for now. David Love, thanks for your time. I appreciate you all the best to you, sir. My pleasure. Good talking with you as usual. Good speaking with you.